Welcome to the Inner Huddle, a youth football development podcast for parents, coaches, and managers of young aspiring footballers. Your hosts from Pezza Street Soccer are Pez and Jeff. Welcome to the Inner Huddle, Jeffrey. Pezza, how you doing, mate? Terrific. Good. Well, you're still here and you're still smiling. I'm still smiling. It all might be a bit more serious than our last few uh, shows that we've done. Um, but I do feel like we're adding a little bit of value, Jeffrey. Might Good. be going off on the odd tangent here and there, but doing our best, aren't we, mate? Yeah. Right. What's the best bit of advice you can give a football parent to help a young child fulfil their potential? Concentrate on the pro- process and not the outcome. Growth mindset. Yeah. And the end game and what the reasons for that are. And then the important bit is matching your actions to it. Okay, so we go with number one then. Concentrate on the process, not the outcomes. Yeah. And these are only my three that I came up with, which try to They're encompass free, all sorts of different things because there's lots of little things which are more obvious, but I think they fit under these. Anyway, concentrate on the process and not the outcomes. What do I mean there then, Jeffrey? I think you mean I went round to my nephew's house this week and he's got an iPod set up and a electric drum set and he practices for like two hours a night just playing the drums and he's nailing it he's just done his grade four in drumming and he's brilliant and he loves it he's only nine years old and he's awesome he's going to be a rock star because that's all he lives for that is exactly it i think i said this the other day didn't i jeffrey i'd love to be able to pick up a guitar (laughs) and play beautiful music yeah why do you want to do that well it wasn't quite how i put it but you get the idea Yeah, yeah i'd love to be able to play the guitar yeah. All right. But I don't love it enough to practice. Yeah. I just would love to be able to pick up the guitar and play all these great songs. To impress some people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> At a party. <laughs> At a party or yeah. something. Or whatever, just in front of your friends and whatever. I think it's great. I have a mate that does it and the old green-eyed monster comes out when he does it because he's brilliant. But he was willing to put in the hours. To be good at anything, to get the outcome you desire... There is a process you have to go through. So is it your nephew, did you say? Yeah. He wants to be a drummer. Well, there's a process he has to go through to be a drummer, and he has to fall in love with that process. And that sounds like that's what he's doing. And when you get those two things, when the process matches the outcome and you're falling in love with the process, that's when the magic happens. And you don't mind making the sacrifices for something that you feel that strongly about, do you? He wants to go and watch the Foo Fighters gig every time that he gets an opportunity. Now, as a little experiment, you should stand behind him one day and film it where he's practising, shouting at him like kids get shouted at on a football pitch. (laughs) No, hit it harder. No, hit it better. Why can't you just play and sound like Oasis or something like that and keep shouting and shouting and and see if he tells you to get lost or just as I've had enough for tonight? be quite interesting. Well, we know what the outcome will be, don't we? So. Well, yeah, because you're taking the fun out of it and he's yeah. already in love with the process. So there are things you can do as a parent, and we haven't got time to go into them all, to help your child to stay in love with the process because you'd hope they were in love with football and the process at the start. And then, unfortunately, a lot of adult I, intervention I, ruins it. I don't think he needs to be told to go and do it either. He just takes himself off up to his room and he does it every single night. Good, and he's got the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Which is great, whereas football nowadays, without playing on the streets and things and with your friends in the park and kids aren't allowed balls in school anymore, and etc, cetera, etc, cetera, it's, it's more difficult. So if your kid is in love with football and you can help him, there are ways you can do it. But um, that's number one anyway. Concentrate on that process, not the outcomes. If you get obsessed with them being... So what an outcome might be in football, Jeff? Give me an outcome. Uh, winning a trophy. 
winning a trophy, becoming a professional. Scoring the most goals in your team. Being top goal scorer, being man of the match, being player of the season, getting scouted. Yeah. All of these things are outcomes. And those outcomes will take care of themselves if you concentrate on the process. Yeah, or they won't, but you'd have done everything in you'd your power to can, give so yourself your best anyway. chance. Yeah. Yes, and do those processes because they're not at the detriment of other areas of your life like confidence and self-belief and things you can use in other areas. Agreed? Yeah. We've kind of summed it up. Yeah. But again, there's lots of research out there on this kind of thing. Right. The second thing you said about was the growth mindset. Yes, and we've actually got a question, number 14. I don't know if we can get that far at this rate, which is all about the growth mindset. So we might leave that until then. But can you give us a quick overview on what the growth mindset is? It's the opposite to a fixed mindset. I'll let you do the rest. <laughs> well, we've got a little printout in front, which is the Pezza Street Soccer Children's Belief. And it's basically growth mindset is helping children to want to be challenged and putting the effort in to something rather than thinking that something's natural. Fixed mindset people think that talent's natural. Growth mindset realise they have to work at it and grow at it and work at the process. And with a growth mindset, if you set a challenge that somebody can't do yet, they'll probably be excited by that challenge, whereas a fixed mindset will think, well, I can't do that, why why bother? Yeah, and I'm going to get shown that I can't yeah. do it, which happens a lot in children's football, especially if they're a good player. You give a good player a challenge and they've always been the best, and yeah. but they can't do this particular thing. They shy away for it or say, that's rubbish, I don't like that. An obvious one would be a session on your weaker foot or something like that. And yeah. If they're weaker foot, they haven't used it very much. It's an easy way for coaches to see, actually, instantly, yeah. who's got a fix and who's got a growth mindset. Say, we're just going to use our weak foot tonight. We put bands around them, don't we? Yeah. So you can tell which one, the foot that they've got to use, an instant visual. And you will pretty quickly find out who's got a growth mindset and who's got a fixed mindset. Good answer. Yeah. Well, that's what we're here for, Jeffrey. <laughs> but we'll leave the growth mindset a bit more to question 14 anyway. And then the third one was fully understanding yours and your child's end game and reasons for playing and match your actions to it. I think this is not just for children and coaching children. I, I got asked this on my presentation um, last week that I was doing for uh, one of the coaching badges I've been doing. And my coach mentor just said do you know the reasons why your players play for you and your club? And I, I probably do, but I haven't sat down and written them all down and, or even asked my players. So it's a, it's a great starting point for any coach to ask their players and themselves about what's the reasons for either your kids or your adults, why are Massively. they there? Massively. I think it should be the starting point. Right. <laughs> Welcome to the inner huddle. Jeffrey. Pezza. We're not getting through these questions anywhere near quick enough this time. We're a bit out of practice, aren't we? So the third bit of advice was fully understand yours and your child's end game and reasons for playing and then match your actions to it. Quite simple. If you're a parent, sit down with your child and find out their reasons, their intrinsic personal reasons for playing football and there's no right or wrong answers. It's personal to them. And I guess that could change over the course of a season, couldn't it? So It could do. Just because they've said that when they're six, it might not mean that when they're 16. I actually, interestingly, did it with my team when they were would be just starting out under seven, so they were under sixes at the time. Um, and the top one was to enjoy themselves. And there were things in there like to be a pro player and stuff like that. There was ten of them. And to be a pro, finish bottom, and to win trophies and medals, finish second to bottom. 
Yeah. True story. I've got it somewhere. I'll show you. But yes, if you do that with your child, it's quite enlightening. And then do it for yourself. What's your end vision for your child? Where do you want to see your child in 10, 15 years' time? You know, is it paying off your mortgage, probably? But yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe it is to be a pro player. Who knows? <laughs> and if it is, find out how that process works. Yeah. But if it's to be confident and have self-belief and, you know, for different areas of their lives, to be, you know, social and be nice people and have core values and been through life lessons and have life experiences, then that's brilliant. But then match your actions to it and then take stock of that and have a little look at it every now and again and just check that your actions are meeting both of what you want. And if you're a coach, you should do it as well with your with your team. Find out what your kids are there for. It might be different to what you thought. What powerful answer. Well, I have just put here though, Jeffrey, oh. children do not play to win. They don't. And I know people, I've said this to people before, and they've said, oh, my kid loves winning. I don't care what you say. He wants to win everything, every game. Well, a psychologist would probably tell you that they have different intrinsic wants and needs. But over time, through adult intervention, they think they can only get those things they want by winning. So it might be that they just want praise from their dad that they don't get in other areas or to be close to their dad or close to their mum. And then over time, they realise the only time I ever get praise is when I've scored a hat-trick. Or the only time Dad's happy in the car on the way home with me is when the team's won. And then it starts to switch to, it's about winning. And that's a dangerous game. Right, we'll leave it there, Jeffrey. It's getting hot in this studio, isn't it? Question number seven. Yeah, goodness, and this one's difficult as well. Do you want to read it out, bud? I've seen your advert for an elite training camp this summer for older children. Does it go against some of the things you talk about in terms of selling the dream? No. Okay. <laughs> Simple answer. No, I put no, but I fully understand that that could be the perception. And at one point, I almost didn't go through with it because I didn't want people thinking we were setting up some money-making scheme by selling the dream to these sort of teenage kids or approaching teenage. And that didn't sit well with me. And I didn't almost didn't go ahead with it. And then... I decided that, no, we shouldn't not do something that I honestly believe is going to add value to everyone that attends just because of other people's perceptions or possible perceptions. So I went, right, let's get on and do it, which actually left us not as much time as we should have had to to get it out there. But we are, we've designed it, haven't we, Jeff, so that it does fit in with all our core values. Do you want beliefs. to explain some of the people that come in? In on the course. Yeah, so we've got, we, like I say, we wanted it to fit in with our core values and our beliefs. And one of those is that every child gets something from it. Every single person that attends will leave a better person and a more well-rounded footballer. So it's not just aimed at the top two players and then all the rest just making up the numbers, is what you're saying? Exactly. Like, like... Every single person. And I've based it around the four corners because we've already established that those are the areas that you need to work at. So we've got technical, which you and I can do, and... We have worked with Premier League footballers and it's what we've been doing for years. We've also got guest coaching Andy Reid, who's ex-Spurs, Charlton, um, Sunderland Premier League player. Was it 26 appearances for Ireland? Something like that. Playing with Roy Keane and Robbie Keane and the like. Um, He's coming in as a guest coach. Um, And then you've got physical, social and psychological. We've got Betsy Tuffrey um, coming in, who's a psychologist to talk about that side of it. And then we have Terry Anderson, who's coming in for the physical and the social side of it as well. well actually, social will be more with the Betsy and the psychological. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be nutrition, there's going to be training and yeah. uh, um, you know, conditioning advice, 
all of those areas we're going to look after so that all of them leave with a better knowledge and understanding. And yes, we have invited some pro scouts in. Is it Chelsea, Bournemouth, Southampton and Portsmouth are the four that have confirmed. Might be some others as well. Which really is not what it's about, but it is giving these kids a platform if they do excel and could possibly go on to the next level. But that's an outcome. We've already talked about process as an outcome. The course is about the process, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah. That's just the outcome bit. And we're not concentrating on the outcome. We're concentrating on the process. And maybe for some of them, that outcome will take care of itself. Good enough? Great answer. Wow. It's hard work today, isn't it? Enjoyable, though. Enjoyable. Um... Yes. Well, I don't know. It might be enjoyable when it's finished. I look back on it. (laughs) But right now, some of these are real tough. Do you want me to read out question number eight? (laughs) Okay. We have slightly differing opinions on this one, don't we, Jeff? Yes, we do. What are your views on summer tournaments? I've written I don't like them. I haven't written anything, but I do like them. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to tell you why I don't like them first. Go. They tend to be very quick, so six to eight minute matches. And if you analysed how long each player would get on the ball, they're not even going to get 30 seconds each. So in terms of football development, I think they can often be a waste of time. There's a lot of managers with big egos that will do anything to win, and it can get a little bit heated win-at-all-costs attitude, and there can be a lot of waiting around in between games, often with children trying to get ice creams, sweets, and sunburn. That's why I don't like them. There are some things I do like about them, but we'll let you go now. Uh, so when I was younger, we used to play 11 v 11 straight away um, from the age of probably under eights and nines. Um, so when the summer tournaments came around, I just really loved playing the 6v6 tournaments on smaller pitches. And I think the games that I remember playing were probably at least 15 minutes each game. And I liked the fact that you'd have one game and if you didn't play very well, you had another game straight away and you could put it right in the next game. It was quite successful, so we probably made nearly all the finals of tournaments. So we got more football than the ones that got knocked out in the group stage. Um, so my memories and feelings of playing six-a-side tournaments when I was younger are brilliant. They were my favourite time in football, um, probably much more similar to the futsal that I'm coach and manage now. Uh, and it was an off- always an opportunity if you were a centre-back all season and 11-a-side, sometimes I'd get to play in goal and be David Seaman for the day. And David whoever, Seaman. Whoever it was at the time in goal, um, Ian Walker maybe. Um, and you could just have a little bit of an experiment and a bit of fun with it because your manager didn't take it quite as seriously as your league games during the actual season, which was quite long and drawn out and cold and wet and miserable. You put a very good case forward there, Geoffrey. Thanks very much. It's not going to change my opinion that I don't personally like him. Yeah. But I don't begrudge anyone that does. And I do understand that clubs, some clubs rely on them for finances to finance their season. Um, so it is important for them. Uh, and again, some of them are good and some of them aren't. So yeah, each tournament's different, and some of them will have those shorter games, which is almost pointless in turning up and playing, isn't it? But if you're getting a good match time in, and you've got a good group size, and you're getting lots of games in, and there's maybe something there to play, and if you are knocked out, knocked out of the tournament early on, so it's not just two games and see you later. Yeah, I've, um, I've just written pick a few good ones that are enjoyable and have good game time. Yeah, you know, if, if I think Eggy with our under. What were they, 13s this year and 12s last year? Spent all summer doing them, and this year he hasn't done any because he's so wearing and such an effort for everyone every weekend going around all these different places. Um, He'd let you know more than me, but he might have overdone it a little bit, although he would have got some great experiences and some great memories from it. I say some would have been brilliant, some wouldn't have been so good. See, I think up to a certain age, I think 
that should be your season of football. It should be go around to all the different clubs, playing festivals of football. It doesn't have to be competitive if if it's not competitive at that age. They could all play the same amount of minutes on. Yeah, we talked about it once before, didn't yeah. we? Where you host. If if every festival. club hosted it in their league. It's a chance for each club to make money, um, put yeah. it back into the club, put it back into the kids, whether it's buying footballs or whatever you need to do. Selling burgers and hot dogs and those sweets that you're not too keen on the kids <laughs> eating in between yeah. games. Uh, that's probably another reason why I like it. And there are some other good experiences with development. I think it's important for them to learn to lose as well and to lose graciously. But as with anything, it's how your coach handles it. Right. We are running out of time. We are never going to get through all 15 questions, but let's try... And get through at least another three or four, Jeff. So straight in with number nine. And I'm going to ask this one. After listening to your recent futsal special podcast, I'd really like my child to get involved in futsal. He'll be an under 13 next season and he's really keen. I'm just a bit worried that it might be too much for him with other commitments. Can you give me some advice? Can you, give them, can you give them some advice? I'll tell you what. You, like Mike Gatton, where you're Quick, batting these back on, to let's, me. Let's you? give some advice. Well, I put give it a go. Because you won't know unless you give it a go. Yeah. So explain to the coach that you might have reservations and then take them along. Yeah. And see how it goes. It's, it's up to your child as well, isn't it? If they think it's too much, then it's too much. Yeah. And you know your child best and your child knows themselves best. Yeah. So keep the communication lines open between you and him and the coach and see if it's affecting other areas of their life. Don't automatically presume that it's too much or they're going to burn out or whatever the reasons might be. Give it a go and analyse it as you go along. Good answer. Because it should enhance their football and their life, not hinder it in any way. And if it hinders other areas of their life in any way, then, yeah, you probably are doing too much. And take another look at it. But he, he might take to it and think it's the greatest thing in the world and play for his country one day. And you can't make that decision at source. Let it go. Great answer. Good. And I put, we are looking for players at this age group. <laughs> so I don't know whereabouts they are in the world, but if it's local to Salisbury Andover, Southampton, Basingstoke, Peasants Futsal Club, looking for new players under 13s for next season. There we go. Got a bit of a plug in there as well, Jeff. Good work. Decent. Right. Question number 10, someone. Who's going to read this one? Who's going to have the pleasure? So my reception year child has recently started a football, a football club. He just doesn't seem to get it and I find myself getting embarrassed. I'm thinking that football might not be for him. Shall I pull him out? Um, should I pull him out? No. Geoffrey? I've put, it's not about you. It's about your child. Um, are they safe? Are they having fun? Do they want to go? And if the answer is yes, put them in. Do never, never be embarrassed. Some take longer than others to get it. And those ones that do take a bit longer, there's no reason why they won't end up being very fulfilled in football and go on and be very able sports people. I think that's a great answer. Stop saying that, Jeffrey. It is though, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, because I wrote some notes you, probably. Yeah. I, I don't think I can add anything to that. I put don't compare them to the other children. That's a big mistake. Yeah. Because... Your child is yours and is unique and, and different. That should be the same in any walk of life or any age your child is. It's not just for a reception child in football. It's they are their own person, and you um, should only measure them against themselves all the yeah. all the way throughout their life. And their reasons for going might be completely different to to other kids. We had one, didn't we? Can you remember? I won't name him because he might not like it because he's getting to that teenage age. But he came to his first session, and we were doing a freestyle with a ball each, and they're all doing skills and everything, and. Uh, he sat down in the middle of the freestyle area. Yeah. And I said, well, what are you doing, bud? And he said, oh, I'm having a tea party. 
And he was sat there in the middle of all this football. And there were some people that said, got to get rid of him, we've got to get him out. And yeah. this is other parents, by the way. And we stuck by him, didn't we? Yeah. And probably might have lost a few that got pulled out because of it by egotistical parents of other children. But we stuck by him and he turned out to be a very able sports person, didn't he? He does yeah. karate now and he does futsal, he does football, he's into cricket now. Tennis, massively. Yeah. Tennis. And we often talk, don't we, that he's one of the big success stories, not all these pro club things. But yeah. he was every bit a success story because he's gone on... You know, if we'd have pulled him out then... It might have wrecked his confidence with sport for life, mightn't it? Yeah, we had oh, to we had him. to move him to the side to have his tea party, but we didn't discourage it. <laughs> and it was amusing as well. We giggled yeah. about it, didn't we, and stuff. And but we still do now. If he wants to have a tea party, you can have a tea party. As long as it's safe, <laughs> a safe tea party, then, I mean, I'm massive on creativity and children's imaginations, and that was brilliant. Great moment that we always remember. Don't remember anything else mm. that se- that session that day, but I do remember that. Right, should we move on? Yeah. I'd love to name him, but he's, he's yeah. a teenager now, isn't he? Yeah. Probably get a strop on. Or maybe he's still having tea parties. <sighs> hopefully, Jeffrey. hopefully. Right, question number 11. Jeff? Uh, my son would like to do your summer multi-sport camp, but I am reluctant for them to get into other sports as I have been told that he is a very talented footballer for his age. Am I being overprotective? Yes, you are, massively. We've kind of answered this already in other questions, haven't we, about trying out all different sports? and Yeah, well, it's a myth that children need to specialise early um, to become a master at it. There are a couple of exceptions. I think from research, ice skating and gymnastics, because they peak at sort of younger ages, you probably do need to specialise a little bit earlier. We're not doing ice skating or gymnastics exactly. on a multi-sports course, are we? No, we're not. So research, research has concluded that most successful footballers, this is Premier League and Championship players, played a series of multi-sports when they were younger. Um, and on the back of that is why we decided the multi-sports was a good idea for us, because we were always reluctant, weren't we? Because we thought it might be perceived as selling our souls a little bit and trying to cash in, if you like, on, you know, our good name with football yeah. to go down the multi-sport. But it wasn't like that. It was about, you know, our, I found, I discovered that I'm not actually that much into football, Jeff, but I am into children's development yeah. and the core values um, that we have and our ethos and our growth mindset, you can put to all sports, you know, creativity, imagination, and that's what our multi-sports camps are about. And then if you have a look at the coaches at Pezzas, we've got different backgrounds in other sports, some of us anyway, so it, it it's very easy to transfer it and we have a specialist in each sport anyway. Phil was a GB athletics long-distance runner. I've played quite a bit of cricket. George Plank's played quite a bit of cricket. Um, I've done nothing else but football. football. Yeah, and I wish I had done more. Yeah. More stuff. Um, but again, like I say, the enjoyment and the creativity and the self-expression, and we still cover the four-corner model, Yeah, just using different sports. So they can actually come away and be better footballers through playing a bit of quick cricket and ultimate frisbee and what the other things we do, tag rugby. Dodgeball. Pez's Olympics. It's great fun. Street hockey. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do it now, actually. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Nerf gun for shooting and stuff don't we it's, yeah. it's it's brilliant and we all really really love it and that that's the main thing and who knows kids might think actually I never thought about cricket and give that a go and you know follow that route and why not excellent good we are flying through some of these now aren't we question number 12 yes 
Ah, this is a good one and something you feel strongly about, so I'm going to ask you, Geoffrey. What are your views on opposed and unopposed training methods? Well, first of all, should we explain what opposed and unopposed training methods are? Yes, please, Geoffrey. Um, so unopposed is where in football there's no defenders to play against and you're probably rehearsing techniques. I mean, you, it could be a bit more than that. Um, and opposed is where you're turning that technique into a skill and maybe trying to take on a player and beat a man in a game situation. And what do we think about opposed and unopposed is the question. I have put, I believe both have their place, and if either is ignored, then a child will not fulfil their potential. So I feel strongly on it. Yes, and a lot of coaches on social media will dismiss the unopposed work that we believe quite strongly in and do a lot of, which I think is very naive. Um, I don't mind if people can get results from only doing opposed coaching and they think that's the way forward but I don't think you should ever dismiss any other methods that get results too and they're really keen to dismiss it yeah, aren't they yeah it's like it's you have to get rid of it because it can never work because there's no element of decision making seems to be their argument isn't yeah. it um, well I've written down this because I like to keep it simple and do it well so I've done one of my analogies and I've put here I liken it to boxing Yeah. so you've got sparring and boxing is your equivalent to opposed practice but if you go to any boxing gym, and I've written these down as notes, a boxer will train unopposed. So top of my head this morning, skipping, footwork, movement patterns, punch combinations and patterns, agility, speed, reactions, feints and shimmies, disguise, strength, power, hand speed, speed bag, heavy bag, stamina. You get the idea. If there was no point to doing unopposed practice then they would just throw boxes into the ring and have a fight every time, wouldn't you? Exactly. I've put they would never fill their potential if all they did was spar. Yeah. You just wouldn't. You need to work all those individual elements. And it's exactly the same with football, with your movement patterns and your footwork and muscle memory, for want of a better term. All of those kind of things, you cannot ignore it if you want to fill their potential. They might get pretty good at fighting, might get pretty good at football, but you'll never fulfill your potential. You are putting a ceiling on it. But I have put... Likewise, they would never fulfill their potential if all they did was individual, unopposed techniques and practices. You have to have both. Yeah, you'd only get very good at doing that yeah. training, which is fine. If, But what's your end game, which you talked about earlier? It's um, not rocket science, is it, Jeffrey? No. None of this is rocket science if you sit down and actually analyse it. And what you said there about not putting a ceiling on it, I think a lot of adults do because they know where they got to and they can't for some reason in their own mind, see the potential that a child has. So that's as far as they've got, and that was good enough for them. And Yeah, well, I hear a lot. We didn't do that in our day, Pezza. Well, what standard did you get to? And it tends to be not that high, doesn't it? Right. Do you think, this is question number 13, by the way, sorry. Do you think that the histrionics from the likes of Neymar and Pepe at the World Cup will influence children's behaviour and filter down to our youngsters at grassroots level? Yes, definitely. Um, there's no way it won't because Neymar's a superstar and kids will try and act like they're heroes and recreate what they're doing. Um, I think it's the one thing VAR could have had a really big influence on at this World Cup. They could have gone back after a game or during the game and dished out yellow cards to the players that were doing this sort of thing. Um, yeah, children subconsciously pick up on everything. So whether it's diving, spitting, yeah. their celebrations, yeah. you'll see now, it. If, if Neymar gets a ban because he's dived twice and it's... 
no question it's a dive. He misses a big game. Neymar don't progress. Be, um, Brazil don't progress because Neymar's suspended from a red card. He'll be absolutely vilified for diving around and it will be frowned upon at least. And It'd be easier for a grassroots coach to then explain yeah, well, why it's not a good thing to do. He's missed out on that game because he's doing it and you can't do that for the same reasons. Yeah, agreed. But the good news is they also pick up on the good stuff. So hopefully the teamwork that England had and the spirit and collectiveness um, and the skills from the likes of Mbappe and stuff, the yeah. back heels and the flicks and things like that, they will also pick up on. And so there's been some great goals scored at this World Cup. amazing goals, probably the best ever. So it's probably, as always, down to communication from the coach and the parents of what's good, what's not, what's acceptable and what isn't. The Inner Huddle from Peza Street Soccer.